Welcome into another edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. Glad to have you with us. A short and sweet podcast uh, for this weekend. Just kind of a taste of my new project that I'm doing in conjunction with both iHeartMedia as well as the Green Bay Packers. It's called Tales from 1265. So it does have the stamp of approval of football's most storied franchise. And it is uh, a labor, I I think I said this on our last podcast, uh, a labor of love for me because this is a podcast that is all about, you know, researching something that if you're a Packers fan and when you grow up in Waukesha, you're born into it, even though when I was born into it in the 1970s, this wasn't a franchise that was in the greatest shape. And that continued on through the 80s. There was a bit of a pop-up with Lindy Infante in 1989. But then after that, they fell back into disrepair. And that's when Bob Harlan took over the franchise. And two years into his tenure, decided, you know what? This isn't working. Whatever we're doing, this isn't going to be what gets us to that next level. Because fan apathy had started to creep in. Yes, there were still sellouts officially at Lambeau Field. But sometimes you'd have 5,000 no-shows. Sometimes you'd have 10,000 no-shows. The franchise was having difficulty selling out games at Milwaukee County Stadium. So there were a number of issues that led Bob Harlan to not only seek out someone else other than Tom Bratz to be the team's de facto general manager, but also a way to say, you know what, we're not football people on the executive board. So we're going to turn over all of the football decisions to a football man. And that was obviously Ron Wolf. The decision-making process about who was able to do what and who fired whom and what players were drafted by whom, it was all done by committee. And it was done very unsuccessfully by committee for a long, long time. So I can't give you the whole podcast because I want you to go find it over wherever you found this podcast. You can find Tales from 1265. Uh, you can find it on the iHeartRadio app. You can find it on Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Spreaker. Wherever you, like I said, wherever you find this podcast, you can find Tales from 1265. Would love it if you downloaded it. Uh, would love it if you subscribed it. Would love it if you gave us a five-star review. I mean, if you give me a one-star review... It's feedback, and feedback's not a terrible thing, I suppose, but I hope you like the podcast because I sure do love putting it together. There's a lot of work that goes involved, as you'll hear through uh, the first couple of episodes, which are done. I'm working on episode number three right now, but episode one just dropped. It's called The Rebirth, and again, it goes into what went into the decision, how Ron Wolf was hired, how... Bob Harlan recruited Ron Wolf, and where it went from there, how Ron Wolf then recruited Mike Holmgren. And I'll give you just a little bit of a hint. Mike Holmgren was not Ron Wolf's first choice. Ron Wolf's first choice, however, was a Hall of Fame coach. But he declined the Packers, and that led to Mike Holmgren, which helped lead to the, I guess, ascension of Brett Favre into a three-time NFL MVP. And there was so much that went into that as well. Part of the rebirth was the ability to bring in Reggie White. We go into that in episode number one. So here's just a very short excerpt from my newest podcast, episode one, Tales from 1265. This is The Rebirth. So when we took over as president in 89, we made our number one priority to find a way to win and find a way to get the Packers back up among the elite teams in the National Football League. And I felt the very best way to do that was go out and find a very strong football person, give him total, full authority over the operation with no interference, 
and then simply get out of his way and let him do his job. And as you look at the Packers from the outside with a 45-person board of directors, you can see where there can be a lot of interference, and there had been in previous years. And I wanted to eliminate that. And I told the board, we're going to let this gentleman come in, do his job. We're not going to interfere with him one bit. So Ron Wolf was the first domino to fall. But what's interesting is that Harlan had Wolf clocked from a chance encounter several years earlier. He was interviewed in Green Bay in 1987. Judge Robert Perrins was our president at that time, and he was looking to bring in somebody to, to be in the football department. Really not as a general manager, but somebody just to strengthen the staff. And one of my responsibilities at that time was to go out to the airport and bring in the candidates and let them meet with Judge Perrins, and then I'd take him back out to the airport. And Ron got in late on a Sunday night, about 11, 11 o'clock, 11.30. As soon as he gets off the plane, he says, Bob, I haven't had any dinner. Could we go someplace and eat? So I took him to the finest restaurant in town. I took him to a Denny's down here on Oneida. <clears throat> and I tried to wow him, wow him with what we could accomplish. But to sit and talk with him about football, I knew who, all about him and his years with the Raiders and what he had accomplished. But to have that personal touch, to sit there for two, two and a half hours talking football, where he talked to me about our board and our executive committee and our facilities and our history and everything, and at the same time, I got a chance to talk to him about scouting and setting up a staff and how much he liked to go out and scout personally and everything. That was very beneficial to me, never thinking that I would have a choice where I, I could go and select this gentleman. But I got to know him so well that night, and he had his interview the next day and withdrew immediately. And I had a feeling that unless he had full authority unless he knew that it was his team to run and nobody would be coming at him from behind, I don't think he was going to take the job. And so I tried to be, when I did approach him in 91, I tried to be as well prepared as I could. And I called him on the telephone. He was scouting for the, for the Jets. And I gave him his, his salaries and the length of the years and his responsibilities. And the number one responsibility was the authority to hire and fire the head coach. And I, I just felt if he didn't have that, we were never going to get him to come to Green Bay and help this franchise. And we talked on a Friday afternoon, and fortunately on Saturday morning, he says, I, I think we're pretty close to a deal. And so I, I, I laugh about Denny's, but it really was, the, gave me the opportunity to get to know him so well, his philosophies, his appreciation for the tradition. And then he came in and believed in that. I, I can still remember him telling me when he walked Reggie White out on the field. He said, if you don't get goosebumps walking out onto this field and looking up at the circle of the names and the history of this franchise, you shouldn't be a Green Bay Packer. And, and Ron and I hit it off immediately, and like I say, he answered our prayers. His first major move was to start fresh with a new head coach. We all know now that Mike Holmgren was the answer, but the search began with two-time Super Bowl champion coach Bill Parcells, who Wolf had been friends with for 20 years. Wolf had said that he flat-out offered Parcells the job, but Parcells turned it down for health reasons. Parcells has downplayed Green Bay's interest. Nevertheless, Wolf had to move on to Plan B. But the field was crowded. After the 1991 season, there were no fewer than nine NFL head coaching vacancies, and at least six of those teams were interested in the 43-year-old Holmgren, the hottest offensive coordinator in football for his work with future Hall of Famers Joe Montana and Steve Young in San Francisco. And while the future Packers coach would have a formal interview with four of those six teams before agreeing to terms with Green Bay, that agreement wouldn't come without its own hurdles to cross. 
At issue primarily was bad blood between the Packers and Holmgren's soon-to-be former employer, the 49ers. You see, the two teams had swung a trade late in the 1991 season, Green Bay sending linebacker Tim Harris to San Francisco after a contract dispute. The Niners claimed that then-general manager Tom Bratz concealed a Brown County drug investigation into Harris. The Niners also simultaneously and strenuously tried to prevent Holmgren from leaving them at all. This despite a directive from Commissioner Paul Tagliabu instructing clubs to not hold assistant coaches to contracts that they signed if they had the opportunity to become a head coach elsewhere. When it became clear that Holmgren wanted to head to Green Bay, Harlan was contacted by League Vice President and Legal Counsel Jay Moyer that it was in everyone's best interest to resolve the situation peacefully between the two clubs. Ultimately, the Packers and Niners settled on the second-round pick, the 45th overall selection that Green Bay got in the Harris trade. So the Packers had their general manager, and now they had their head coach. Now they just needed some new players. Ron Wolf inherited a group of players that individually had some talent, but overall lacked motivation and especially cohesion. After all, Don Mikowski was a Pro Bowl quarterback. Leroy Butler was an eventual Pro Football Hall of Famer. And Sterling Sharp was arguably the best wide receiver in the game. But they still finished 4-12. and So if you're going to build a team, according to Wolf, you have to start with the quarterback. And oh, did he have one in mind. Having had an opportunity to study Brett Favre in 1991 when I was with the Jets, I was convinced he was the best player in the draft in the 1991 draft. And... Uh, he wore out his welcome in uh, in Atlanta, and we started our dancing. I knew where they were going to end up, and uh, I was confident. Whenever he took the field, I had a feeling that the field tilted in his team's favor. So the trade was swung. The Packers sending a coveted first-round pick to the Atlanta Falcons for a hard-partying Southern boy who had a rocket for an arm but was almost never called upon to actually use it. Still, the baggage followed Favre. Tales of his carousing went with him from Atlanta to Green Bay, but he still felt he was more than just a drunken frat boy that just got kicked out of school. He knew it was time to put up or shut up. I realize I'm a Green Bay Packer now, and maybe I can prove that I am worth the first-round pick next year, but you just got to be patient and... Uh, give me time, because I promise I can I can be the man eventually. As far as Ron Wolf's year one overhaul, aside from Favre, it was pretty modest. The only other player of note brought in was center Frank Winters, who became fast friends with Favre. But in the draft, Wolf made some real headway. Terrell Buckley was a splashy first pick, but Robert Brooks, Edgar Bennett, and Mark Chimura all became stars and important pieces to the turnaround of the Green Bay Packers. A very short excerpt from my new podcast, Tales from 1265, uh, The Rebirth, Episode 1. Again, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever you found this podcast, that's where you can find Tales from 1265. It is uh, free to download, as always, on the iHeartRadio app or on Apple Podcasts or on Spreaker or, like I said, again, wherever you found this podcast, you can find Tales from 1265 as well. And we'll have episodes every other week. So there'll be a Larravee and LaPay podcast that'll drop, and and then the next week, I will drop a Tales from 1265. The week after that, Wayne and Matt will do another one of their podcasts and so on and so forth. So, like I said, I'm working on episode three right now. There's going to be ten episodes in season one. We're just going to keep the Packers train rolling throughout the entire spring and summer. And I'm really looking forward to bringing you more stories on Tales from 1265. We'll be back right here on the Doug Russell Podcast next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. 